Let's see if that changed anything. Did it change anything? I think that made it quieter. Good heavens. Okay, this is my regular talking voice. This is me projecting. It didn't even make that much of a difference that time. Yeah, I think we should be fine. Okay. Uh. Ooh. Welcome back to What I'm Afraid Of. I'm Kylie. I'm Nathan. We bought our first car. Big deal. Yeah. It was miserable. I was on the phone for an hour and a half with and then they hung up on me. So we have got now. It'd be funny if you bleeped out the I mean, I would like an apology. (laughs) I like had a real connection with the agent too. Like we were chatting. We were on hold and he was like, Hey, Miss Kylie, I just wanted you to know that I didn't forget about you. How are you doing? And then... Click. Yeah, it really sucks, dude. And then Nathan was like, oh, well, they could have just hooked us up with Geico and it would have taken 20 minutes. And I was like, you could not have told me that an hour and a half ago. Also, yesterday was my last day of work. So that was good. I ate like crap yesterday because I didn't eat breakfast. And then my coworkers bought me pizza for my last day. And then the head teacher in the room um, had an ice cream sundae party for me. And then I had sushi. <laughs> and that was it. It's amazing. Yep. What was your favorite part about this last week? One of the students in my class, when we were talking about me leaving, I work in a special ed room. And he's a fourth grader. And he was like... Miss Kylie, when I first met you, I was angry and sad, but now I'm a lot happier. And I almost just bawled. That's adorable. I was like, okay, it's time for recess. When I met you, I was also sad, and now I'm happy. Aw, shucks. <laughs> Anyways, um, what are you afraid of this week? So, as many people have clearly figured out by now, my fears are mostly tongue-in-cheek for some of these except for cruises now when you say tongue-in-cheek i don't understand what that means like i'm kind of kidding oh okay like this yeah i've never understood that phrase well most of the fears are not like i'm afraid of every single one of these things ever like everybody or myrtle beach during the daytime And this is a wonderful example of that because today's fear is the city, district, of Washington, D.C. You love D.C. I love Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is my favorite city. It is. I am afraid of getting murdered there. You were (laughs) when we went. Really? Um, Yeah, I remember specifically times walking down the road. Especially at night when we were trying to get back to our Airbnb, you were squeezing my hand a little too hard. That one instance when we got off the metro and then we took the scooter to get back. Dude, that was life or death. (laughs) Dude, okay, so we underestimated how long it would take us to get home. And I don't like being out after dark any place other than like where I am from. Like I can do Raleigh after dark. I can do Salt Lake City after dark. I can do, like, our town after dark. Do Disney after dark? Disney after dark, duh. I don't do cities like D.C. or Myrtle Beach or anything like that after dark. So, we take the metro, 
and the sun sets. You're a big city girl till it gets dark. Exactly. Or until <laughs> I know the city well enough to know the places that it's okay to be during the dark. Sure. In D.C., I do know that, and I knew that the way to get to our Airbnb was not one of those places. Like, yeah. we were just far enough outside of the mall area that it was no longer going to be perfectly safe. Like, if we were at one of those hotels right on the mall, I'd be fine to just walk around the mall at night. Anyways, I was like, we have to get home because I don't want to die. Our Airbnb wasn't in a bad location. It was in, like, a suburban residential neighborhood. Yeah. It was just, like, a 15 to 20-minute walk to get there. So, we found one of those electric scooters to rent, but we only found one. So there were two of us, and we were just going, going, going. And then, all of a sudden, I see this piece of concrete that's lifted up in the end, like a ramp. And I'm like, ah! And we bail to the side. Was, and it's a disaster. We almost got like 10 feet of air. Yeah, that was, that. that was not good. Well, uh, good times. But we got back, and we survived. I did risk my life for your Ghanaian food, though. Yes. Kylie dipped into an alley to go to this restaurant to pick it up. We couldn't find parking. Yeah. Because it was a busy part of D.C. at night. And I literally was so creepy. Like, I had to go, like, down steps and ring a doorbell. And a man had to come and be like, what's your name? Follow me. <laughs> no. Have... I would have been like, no, thank you. Yeah. We got some yummy food, and it was great. It was very, very good. I absolutely adore D.C., Anyways, what makes you scared of D.C.? Like, where do these fears come from? Specifically, what's the case <laughs> that you're scared of? This is the case of Chandra Levy. Chandra? 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 Sean? Oh, I didn't even think about it being Chandra. C-H-A-N-D-R-A. Chandra or Chandra? Probably depends on which coast you're on. Well, East Coast. Actually, she grew up in California. Chandra? Chandra? Okay, I'll say Chandra a weird name new guy named chandra with the c hmm. that's why i say it like that i was saying sandra like sand like oh my gosh sandra bullock sandra bullock it's probably chandra like sandra but with the ch Ugh, i'm looking at <laughs> how to pronounce chandra well that just sounds chandra like a ch Chandra. Chandra. Probably Sandra, Sandra. Chandra. Like I said, depends on the... I think I'm right. Well, you're right for East Coast. I'll be right for the West Coast. Perfect. Nobody can be mad. Okay. Sources today are ABC News, NBC Washington, In Touch Weekly, USA Today, Wikipedia, and The Washington Post. Chandra Levy was born in Cleveland, but she grew up in California, where she lived with her mom, Susan, her dad, Bob, and her brother, Adam. Her family was members of a conservative Jewish synagogue. She loved professional baseball, and she was very spunky. As she grew up, she aspired for a career in the FBI. She attended University of San Francisco and majored in journalism. She got prestigious internships, such as working in the L.A. mayoral office, and interning for the California Bureau of Secondary Education. So she was very, very smart. Sounds like it. Her mom says she was an incredibly ambitious student, and that's why she was able to get so many good internships. Once she graduated, she attended the University of Southern California to get her master's in public administration. So, fall of 2000. She moved to Washington, D.C., 
to intern for the Bureau of Prisons. Her supervisor was very impressed with her, especially by how she handled media and tough cases. Um, specifically, she had to answer media questions about the bombing of the college. I'm blanking on it now. I'm going to cut this out because that's embarrassing. Okay. While she was there, Chandra and a friend visited the Capitol and were given a tour by the Democratic congressman from her hometown, Modesto, named Gary Condit. Cool. So that's how they often do it. Um, Me and my mom went for a tour of the Capitol and we had to go to the Congress offices and we had to find the office of our specific congressman. And then somebody from their staff took us down and took us to the tour of the Capitol. It's usually not the actual congressman, but we went with somebody from the staff. And fun fact, so there's little trains under D.C. that take congressmen to the Capitol. And those trains are Disney trains. They were from Disney. That's really cool. It's one of the facts I learned. I was like, this is the greatest thing of my life. This is about the time that she started having an affair with Gary. Oof. He was 28 years older than her, and he was also married. Ooh, homewrecker. She's the victim, Nathaniel. I'm cutting that out. You can. He was a very successful politician. He had been the youngest mayor of Ceres, California. C-E-R-E-S. Sure. He had never lost an election between the years of 1972 and 2000. That's him and Chandra. Good-looking people. December 23rd, she sent an email to a friend that said, quote, My man will be coming back here when Congress starts up again. I'm looking forward to seeing him. End quote. She never actually names Gary in that. She became isolated. She went to work, and then Gary's, and then work, and then Gary's. Despite this, her parents said that she seemed content. They visited her and said that she seemed happy with her life in D.C., Wait, so her parents knew about the affair? Her parents did not know about the affair. Oh, okay. Sorry. The way you phrased that, I was like, that they were reporting that she went from personal to... Oh, no. They did not say that, but they did say that when they visited her, not knowing about it, she seemed happy. Gotcha. That's a picture of her and her parents. But they had no idea about her secret relationship. Gotcha. (laughs) I mean, obviously, like, yeah. You wouldn't want that to be public information. Obviously not. Chandra graduated in December of 2000, but decided to stay in D.C. until May of 2001, when she was to walk her graduation. Then she was going to decide if she was going to attend law school or move back to D.C. and try for a job at the FBI. January of 2001, Chandra informed her landlord that she may break her lease in order to move in with her boyfriend. February 1st of 2001, the landlord follows up with her to see if that was happening, And she says that she wouldn't be breaking her lease because things with her boyfriend didn't work out. April 23rd, 2001, Chandra finishes her internship with the Bureau of Prisons. April 28th, 2001, Chandra emails her landlord saying, quote, I am moving back to California for my graduation during the week of May 8th, and I'm moving back there for good, end quote. Uh Uh-oh. April 29th, 2001, Gary's last phone call with Chandra according to phone records and his own admission. That day, Chandra called her aunt and left a voicemail saying that she had big news, but did not elaborate. May 1st, 2001, Chandra is packing up her apartment in DuPont Circle in anticipation to move back home. We'll picture the apartment. Cute. 
She emails her parents about her travel plans, but she's not super specific about them. Like, she doesn't say um, car, train, or plane. Okay. Uh, this email is sent at 10.45 a.m. and is the last known contact from Chandra. Her voicemail is full with messages from family and two from Gary Condit by the date. Okay, hold on. By May 5th, 2001, nobody has heard from her. Her voicemail was full of messages from family and two from Gary. That day, when her family was able, unable to get in contact with her again, they got worried and they called the D.C. police and reported her missing. Yeah. The next day, May 6th, Susan Levy calls Gary Condit. What? She had been going through their phone bill because she was worried, found a number that was called many, many times on Chandra's phone, called it, and it was his office number. Ooh, not great. That's also the day police searched her apartment. Investigators searched her laptop and found that she had researched Rock Creek Park, which is a local park there. In D.C.? Yes. She's a runner, but her mom says she would never go for a run by herself. Other searches from right before she left are for Amtrak, Baskin-Robbins, Gary Condit, Southwest Airlines, and a weather report from the Washington Post. Her final search at 12.59 p.m. was for Alsace-Lorraine, a region in France. That is some very random searches. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but... So, Rock Creek Park, twice the size of Central Park. Pretty big. Huge. I've been to Central Park, and it's pretty big. Yeah, so it's a huge park. They searched that area, but did not find her. The only things missing from her apartment were her keys and a ring. She left behind her ID, credit cards, running shoes, and her phone. Yeah, not great. Not great. May 7th, Gary calls the police to discuss Chandra's disappearance. He says he's calling on behalf of Susan, as he is the congressman from her region. No, you're calling because she called you. <laughs> you're in hot water, buddy. And the thing is, even if the mom called the congressman, because that is something that does happen. Like, yeah, hey, he's supposed, this case. He's supposed to represent where they're from. Yeah, but it's a little bit more twisted than that. I, I doubt that at this point Susan was like, oh, she's sleeping with him. Oh, no, no, no. I'm guessing it was more of like a, hey, you guys clearly had some sort of mentor relationship here. Yeah, they or did. You worked, or you worked with them, so. Yeah, or her daughter was an aspiring and determined person and would call Make that office contacts. frequently to get contacts. Yep. May 10th. Gary donates $10,000 from his campaign fund to add to the reward for her case. Gary was interviewed many times, but was never named as a suspect. And he had an alibi for the time of her disappearance. He was meeting with Vice President Dick Cheney. So that's pretty solid. Yeah. Media coverage of the case made him the prime suspect in the eyes of the public. As usual. It's a picture of his office in D.C. at the okay. time. Many, many people. Susan asked Gary straight up if he killed Chandra. And he said no. Gary released a statement calling Chandra, quote, a great person and a good friend, end quote. Gary did an interview with ABC where he said he had nothing to do with her disappearance. He refused to answer if he had been sleeping with her. He said, quote, I've been married for 34 years. I've not been a perfect man and I've made my share of mistakes. But out of respect for my family and out of specific request from the Levy family, 
I think it's best that I not get into those details about Chandra Levy, end quote. So the public kind of knew what was he up. He didn't admit it, but he totally admitted it. Yeah. He said he was not in love with her and he had no intentions of leaving his wife. He said in the five months that they knew each other, they never discussed a future. Susan said she was not happy with Gary's interview. She said it seemed like he was caught doing something bad and it wasn't just the affair. Yeah. She says that she laughed when Gary said he wouldn't talk about a sexual relationship at the family's request. Because the family probably didn't ask for it. She said it was not true. Some police sources say that Gary was not quick to be helpful in the case. It took many interviews for him to finally admit that he had had an affair with Chandra. He said he mostly saw her after hours. Police don't think Gary was involved because they could not come up with a motive. They also listened to the voicemails, and it seemed like he genuinely cared about her. Well, it's not what he said in his interviews. They also interviewed another woman, a flight attendant, who was also having an affair with Gary. Oh, wow. I put that in there as a fact that he was sleeping with many people Chandra's age. Chandra and this woman didn't know each other. Um, but the man's kind of a whore. <laughs> yeah. Gonna have to cut a lot out of this, huh? I'm gonna have to cut a lot out of this. I put it in there because we're going to discuss what we think happened. And I think having an affair with another woman who survived could be pretty good evidence for him. However, we will get to this very next point that I have, which is, in the course of the investigation, it was also revealed that Chandra had confided in at least one friend that she was pregnant. Probably the big news that and she was, was going to... And it was Gary's baby. Many people think that's the big news that she was going to tell her aunt. I mean, that would be great reason. An unwanted baby... It's leverage. Yep. Leverage, exposure of the affair. Yeah. So June 22nd, so we're almost two months past when she went missing, Gary hires a defense attorney. He's one of the defense attorneys that worked on Clinton's impeachment. So a very experienced person. Oh, calling in the big dogs. July 7, 2001. Police sources say that Gary admitted to having his affair. I'm going to cut that out because I think I got this wrong. July 7, 2001, Gary has an interview with police in which he expresses surprise that Chandra had ended her lease and was not planning on returning to D.C. So as far as he knew, she was going to come back. Yeah. And that's, that is an admission of they did discuss the future. Mm, good point. Because if he was like, oh, not it's just... Not that far into the future, but at least a little bit. He's like, eh, it's, just, it's just sex, but we didn't talk about the future. But, oh, wait, I did know that she was planning on coming back. <laughs> that sounds like the future to me. That same month, another suspect comes onto police's radar. His name was Ingmar Guandic. He was an immigrant from El Salvador. He was arrested for assaulting women in Rock Creek Park, both in July and May of 2001. Okay. Any evidence that she was in Rock Creek Park besides the Google search? No. All right. Let's tie this in. In 2002, he was given 10 years for one of those attacks. That attack took place the same month that Chandra went missing. Ingmar also didn't show up to work the day that Chandra went missing, and his landlady said that that day he returned home covered in scratches and bruises. That's not great. Yep. Back to the investigation, 
Gary has allowed his DNA to be taken and his apartment searched, but refused to take a polygraph test. His lawyer said that he passed a polygraph test given by a private company. In, in this household, the Claussons, we don't view polygraphs as great evidence. Any good lawyer would tell you not to take it. Either way. September of 2001. A lawyer of an imprisoned convict contacted the police saying that he had information about Chandra Levy's case. His client, whose surname was Morales, claimed that Ingmar Guandique had confessed to murdering Chandra while he was in prison for the other attacks in Rock Creek Park. Morales said that Gary Condit had paid Ingmar $25,000 to commit the murder. Wow. However, because Ingmar was already in prison for an attack on women in Rock Creek Park, they dismissed that story. So they said, well, he doesn't need Gary Condit motivation. He was already attacking women there, so that's probably not true. My question then becomes, okay, then why believe any of it? Yeah. If you dismiss that, why not dismiss all of it? Yeah. If he's a liar, he's a liar. So the case is getting national attention until four months later when it was completely sidelined because... It was September 11th, 2001. Yeah, that would sideline any national or state or local news. Yeah, obviously all the news was talking about the attack. That day was the day the Levies were supposed to fly to New York City to do an interview about Chandra's case. Jeez. Susan said she got a call from a family friend that was like, turn on your TV. I don't think you're getting on that flight today. I Yeah, I mean, we were obviously toddlers when this happened, but... Yeah. Imagining, like, something crazy happened like that now, I wouldn't want to go on an airplane for a while. Oh, I think they shut them down, too. I don't yeah. even know if you if they could have, if they wanted to. And I, I think they might have. Call your parents. Their daughter's missing. So, November of 2001... Morales was given a polygraph test. That's the guy, the um, prison snitch. He failed that test. February of 2002, Ingmar took a polygraph test in which the results were inconclusive. The issue with both of these polygraph tests is that neither Ingmar nor Morales were fluent in English, and the administrator of the test was not bilingual. Yeah, that definitely, it's not... Yeah. Not great. It's not great. March 2002, Gary loses the California primary. I bet he's pissed. His first election loss since 70s. Wow. I mean, no wonder he's in national news for something that's not great. Yeah. I mean, when you want to vote for someone as a leader, you want them to be a stand-up character. Yeah. Uh, and you don't want them to have... Affairs and possible murders. Sure. May 22nd, 2022, a runner in Rock Creek Park calls the police. He had found a skull. Oh, my goodness. Dental records proved that it was Chandra Levy. Dang. I was thinking this whole time, like, when are we going to get to the body? Mm-hmm. It was discovered in the zone that the police were supposed to search. Due to a miscommunication, that area was skipped over. And when was that exactly? A couple Early. days after she was reported missing. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, man. So police were told to search within 100 yards of each road and trail, but due to miscommunication, they only searched 100 yards around roads. 
Oh, no. Which seems pretty, like a pretty poor search for a park. Sure. So her body was left to decompose for a year. Oh, gross. Was it like, did it give any description of how decomposed it was? Or was it like... Bones. Like animals had gotten to it? Yep. Oh, bugs and everything. Man. Her father says that it was the worst day of his life. They had no hope anymore. Her remains were found, quote, down a dark, steep embankment in the park, end quote. Her cause of death could not be determined, but the manner of death could. It was definitely homicide. What gave it away? Her remains showed damage to the hyoid bone. What's that? I was about to say, here's a true crime fan fact, Nathan Clawson. Damage to a hyoid bone almost always means that there is strangulation involved. It's a bone in your throat. So not all strangulation causes hyoid damage, but all hyoid damage is caused by strangulation or throttling. Also, I think the manner of death being homicide is also, um, there was no reason to believe she had committed suicide and there was no reason for, she wasn't far enough off the trail that if she had broken her leg, she would have died by elements. Somebody, if she was screaming, somebody would have found her. Yeah. So it's more deductive reasoning than it is like, but I think the hyoid point is a pretty clear indication. Sure. Her jogging pants were found with knots tied in the leg. That's creepy. Clearly a sign of foul play. Because of how decomposed the body was, they could not tell if there was sexual assault. Also, no idea if she was pregnant. Yeah. Because she told her, once she had big news, if that was the news, she would only be maybe a couple months if she found out super duper late. Yeah, it's not like if they found the body, they would be able to see a bump. Yeah. Or if there's a fetus at all. Hadn't formed bones. A few weeks after this, private investigators were hired and they researched the area and they found twisted wire within 25 yards of the body. Oh my goodness. The police chief was pissed because the police had dropped the ball again. Yeah. They didn't find the body and then they missed crucial evidence 25 yards away from the remains. Forensic evidence was nowhere to be found, clearly, and the only evidence was really the location of the remains. That's That's like all they had. So the case goes cold. There is no evidence. There is nothing to go by. That poor family. In 2007, the case is looked at again with fresh eyes. There's a new police chief, and this police chief creates a team to focus on this case because this case was in a specific region of D.C. where the local police had very little experience with homicide. So the investigating detective probably did his best, but just not very experienced in that. They immediately zeroed in on Ingmar Gwandik. Again? Yep. He was never fully looked into. And this is him getting close to his end of 10 years in prison, right? Um, he was convicted in 2002, so it's he's halfway through it. Okay. He said he had never met Chandra Levy, but in 2009, he was arrested and charged. Dang. The case against him relied on one key witness, Morales. Again, he said that he confessed to Chandra's murder and said, I killed her, but I did not rape her. That's not a quote. That's just what he said. He killed her and didn't rape her. According to his... According to this testimony by Morales, Ingmar saw Chandra in the park and decided he was going to rob her. He hid in the bushes, and then he ran up behind her and grabbed her by the neck. 
he dragged her into the bushes. By the time he got her to the bushes, she had stopped struggling. He then stole her bag and left. He didn't mean to kill her and didn't even know she was dead until while he was being questioned for his other attacks, the police brought it up. Wow. That's the story. The police say that he tied her up and left her to die of dehydration, starvation, or the elements. There was no forensic evidence tying him to the scene. Then again, there's no forensic evidence at all. So, other than the cellmate's testimony, the only evidence against Ingmar is simply the M.O., a woman in Rock Creek Park. Yeah. If it is the case that Chandra was killed by Ingmar, that means that her political and sexual relationships made in D.C. actually had nothing to do with her death. It was just a wrong place, wrong time situation. Which would be really unfortunate timing with all that was going on. Yes. Chandra's mom, Susan, was not fully convinced of Ingmar's guilt, but her dad was. I mean, you want to believe in something, and at the same time, you want to know concrete proof. Yeah, you want somebody to be punished, but you want it to be the right person. But after this long, it's just like it's really somebody end this. Really tough. 2010, Ingmar was found guilty. He was sentenced to 60 years. The family says they felt relief, but not happiness. Jump to 2015. Due to prosecutorial misconduct, Ingmar is granted a new trial. What was the misconduct? The issue <laughs> was that when the cellmate witness was under oath, he said that he had never worked with police in this capacity before. But as it turns out, he had worked as an informant with the police many times. So the issue was... <laughs> Not only did he lie under oath, which is obviously perjury, but if the jury had known that he worked as an informant, it would have changed how they viewed his testimony and the information that he gave. Yeah, it's a big repercussion. Yes, and the defense should have known that he was an informant. Dang. Chandra's mom was surprised um, that a new trial was granted, but she was hoping that Gary would be looked into more. She felt that they had not gone down that path enough to fully clear him so july of 2016 before the new trial starts more evidence emerges specifically a new witness out of all these years yep the new witness was a woman named babs babs had met morales after he got out of prison from his 20-year sentence remember morales is the informant they met at the apartment building that they both lived at when they met, he told her about his time in prison, but he seemed remorseful and kind. He walked her dog with her. When she planned a vacation, he offered to watch her dog buddy for her. Morella sent her selfies of him and the dog going on walks and being fed. That's one of the selfies. Uh, I gotta say, that's kind of cute. Yes. Then he sent a picture to her of her business card. The business card had her last name on it, which she had never given him. Plus, the card was only stored in her filing cabinet, which she kept locked. So he's snooping. Yeah. When she got back, he offered to accompany her to her storage unit. She said that he threatened to hurt someone she knew, and so she started recording him without his knowledge because she got scared. They talked about Chandra's case. Babs asked Morales what Ingmar had said to him. He said Ingmar said, quote, Homeboy, I killed that effing B-word, but I didn't rape her, end quote. That matches what he testified in the trial. But then he said he had lied about what he was told. 
He said that the prosecutors told him to lie because they knew they had the right guy and just needed somebody there to seal the deal. Jeez. Morales said that Ingmar was a thug and had attacked other women in the past, so he deserved to be in prison. Bab said he also had motive for lying because he wanted to move prisons. He had a mentor who... I say mentor. He had somebody in prison, a friend, who had gotten things he wanted like a prison exchange for testifying to help the prosecution. Babs offered the recording to Chandra's mom when it happened, but Susan told her to turn it over to the prosecution and the defense. There are seven hours of recording that have been given to the media. In those files, Morales never explicitly says that he made up the story. Babs said that there are recordings where he does say it explicitly, but they aren't in her possession anymore. Dang. So let me just say, first of all, seven hours. Yeah. Seven hours. That's insane. That's a long time. It's like an interrogation. Also, the prosecution defense says they never had anything else. They only had those seven hours. But if those seven hours are actually them talking, like, what the heck? Seven hours standing outside of the storage unit? Super random. Yeah. In July of 2016, the prosecution moves for the case to be dismissed because they can no longer prove he is guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Instead, they tried to get him deported. I mean, I'm all for putting terrible humans in jail and having them get punished for their their actions. Mm -hmm. But do it for the, the right people. Find justice for those people that deserve it. Not just... Oh, he's we've we know he's a bad guy. Yeah. And we're going to fabricate evidence. I'm not for that. Ingmar um when he was released when okay, so he was serving that 10-year sentence. Mm-hmm. When he was released, he was going to be held at a detention center because he was an undocumented immigrant and he's supposed to be deported, but then he got arrested. He ended up being deported in May of 2017. Chandra's dad still thinks he's guilty. He said everything lined up until Babs tampered with the witness and got it all screwed up. He can't think what her motivation might be. Babs says she was just sharing her story. She had no motivation, so she doesn't know why people think she's lying. A while after the trial, she was arrested for theft. Could be unrelated. Could show she has a dishonest character. Wait, I'm confused. You said that... um... The informant guy, Morales, mm-hmm. he sent her a picture of her last name. Why is, is the last name important at all? No, it just creeped her out. Oh, okay. I mean, it would creep me out, too, if he was snooping. Yeah. Igmar maintains his his innocence. Sorry, let me say that again. Igmar maintains his innocence. He says that he and Morales never even spoke about the Chandra Levy case. Yeah, I mean... It's it's tough to believe what happened because there seems like there was a a not a lot of forensic detailing mm-hmm. and b there was a lot of people either lying or forced to be or forced to lie. The thing that gets me is that she didn't bring her phone. If you go down black hole conspiracies, Gary sent somebody to meet her. That person told her not to bring her phone because it could be tracked. She meets them in Rock Creek Park. They kill her. Yeah, I've watched... There's a cop in on it, and the cop makes sure that the area is not searched where they left the body. That's like full conspiracy. We've watched too much scandal to know that these things have happened 
in TV. And if you want to be all conspiratorial, which we can only speculate at this point. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. I would want to believe that it was just a hit and run that went wrong. I would like to believe that, but I wouldn't be surprised if Gary and Chandra had had a conversation where she was going to use the baby as leverage. He didn't like that, or she wanted him to break up with his wife. He didn't like that, and she was going to go public with the information, so he thought, I got to take care of this. It's DC. He probably knows a guy that knows a guy. Mm-hmm. To keep his image clean. Yeah. Because he had been sleeping with women before. Yeah, she wasn't the only one. There is evidence of that. My thing is, if he just wants to maintain his image and continue to be in, in office, he has to keep a good image. He has to get rid of a problem, as ugly as that sounds. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened. And he he seems to be throwing around money like it's no problem. $10,000 of his campaign money. He wants to be involved in that's that's like number one. I'm guilty is like you're involved in the murder scene, like the the investigation. Insert yourself into the case, yeah. Yeah. So, I I wouldn't be surprised. I would like to believe it was just a robbery gone wrong. Yeah. What do you think? Honestly, I think the leaving behind of the running shoes and the leaving behind of the ID and the leaving behind of the phone makes me think she was going to meet somebody. Yeah. Most adults, when they leave the house, they're going to bring some few essential items. A phone, wallet. And she's clearly an intelligent person. Yeah. That's what gets me. She's clearly intelligent. And it seemed like being ambitious, she wanted to... She she was probably willing to take risks. Yeah, that's true. So who knows what could have happened. Yeah. That is uh, creepy and scary. Um, now that I know this, I'm curious to know what you can do about this, Kylie, to be safer next time we go to Washington, D.C. Honestly, I think when I say fear of Washington, D.C., I almost mean fear of being involved in politics. Yeah. I think that putting ourselves, like, I think that Chandra Levy was much braver than me to even get involved in, like, U.S. Bureau of Prisons in Washington, D.C., because things that would mean a lot less outside of D.C. are a lot more dangerous there. For sure. And I think it's just really scary and really sad how much power older men in positions of power have over ambitious young women. Yeah, it's a real problem. Yep. So that's why I'm afraid of Washington, D.C. Makes a lot of sense. Could probably double this as why you're afraid of politicians. Yeah. (laughs) Conspiratorial. I almost did that, and then I was like, let me not, because he's been cleared. And it's very interesting that his defense attorney is one who was involved in a politician sleeping with somebody other than their wife. Yeah. That's a little bit like... Coincidence? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe they're just really good at dealing with that situation. (sighs) All right. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you for the next case. Bye. Bye.